RCR with Paul Brennan, Reality Check Radio. Budget 2023 yesterday, Grant Robertson presented the budget in Parliament. We've already talked about it on the political panel this morning. Let's get a professional view of it from economist Rob McCulloch from Auckland University. And Professor McCulloch, what do you make of it? Uh, What I make of it, I thought the Prime Minister's uh, beehive press release about the budget uh, was dishonest. Uh, He said that uh, with luck we can, he wrote, that with, with luck we can avoid a recession and we can avoid it due to uh, this extra infrastructure-related spending uh, linked to the floods and weather events and hurricane. Now, uh, it, it's, it's also emerged the last uh, few weeks that immigration uh, reached a monthly all-time record high Net immigration has run at 50,000 people the last wow. year. Treasury has in its forecasts over the next year it'll probably be the same, another 50,000, and then and then Treasury says only reducing to about 40 to 2027. So just so all your listeners know up and down the length and breadth of the country, it's an official Treasury forecast that up to uh, from the past year to 2027, they will increase the number of people in this country by quarter of a million. Wow! Now it's that quarter of a million people, and the hundred thousand that are arriving from last year and going into this year. That's the will be the primary driver of, uh, to the extent this country avoids a recession. That will be the primary driver. You've you've increased the scale of the population. Uh, to such a large degree, uh, it is that which will drive uh, GDP, potentially uh, lead to GDP and not not declining. So to say that GDP won't decline uh, because of weather events and floods and infrastructure, I I regard that as dishonest. Uh, So why would he couch it like that? Why would he couch it like that? Because he doesn't want immigration to be headline news. Uh, He doesn't want uh, the media to focus on that issue. And the reason why he doesn't want that is adding quarter of a million people to the population over the next four to five years will collapse the health system. It will collapse the school system. It will collapse the roads. We do not have the roads, the schools, and the health system in which there are already long waiting lists to cope with quarter of a million more people. So he doesn't want that to be the headline that the entire uh, provision of welfare services uh, and the school system uh, cannot support a quarter of a million more people. What the Prime Minister wants is GDP not to fall into a, a recession, not to decline in the next five months so he can win the election. So he's prepared That's to, and, and, you know, we can't blame the people who want to come here, but he's prepared to burden the country to that level just so he can have a better chance of winning his that's, election? That's my view. That's my view. It's a tried and tested uh, strategy going all the way back to uh, Sir John Key. Yeah. Right. Get, yeah. Run run uh, as, as high immigration as you can get away with. Well, you can't get away with it anymore. And, and to be fair to John Key, well, maybe uh, there was a reason back then, you know, things were not working too badly. Um, we weren't at sort of maybe breaking point uh, to the extent we are now. I think all Kiwis know the health system, the school system, our roads are at breaking point. 
So maybe 10 years ago, uh, you could have made a defence for it. But uh, 10 years later, now, when these, uh, you know, the strains on all these systems to add an, another quarter of a million people, the country cannot take it. But um, he's doing it because if they had not ratcheted up immigration to that level, we definitely would be going into a recession. There'd be these skill shortages in business. Uh, businesses can't find workers. Um, you know, we'd, we'd, we'd be entering a crisis in the five months leading up to the election. Um, the quiet part out loud in him saying that is that we have no other ideas. We're out of ideas. We're out. Yeah, of, he's out of right? ideas. He's out of ideas. Yeah. So and that's banking. a worry too. <laughs> that's right. Big worry. Um, yeah. How do you sense, this might not be your wheelhouse, but no one asked me if I was happy with that. I'm sure no one asked you. It's no, kind of stealthy. No. It's a stealthy approach. Uh, am I missing something? Well, I just looked at the Treasury uh, forecast that were released. There, the report they have the six-monthly forecast they do, which they released a while ago, and uh, you know about four or five months ago, that report projected um, forecasts that net immigration would be zero. So the Treasury forecast was completely uh, wrong, and in fact, it's been fifty thousand. So um, no, they never asked us, and in fact, the official numbers were that over the past year there would have been a zero change. So uh, he he's panicked, and the only way he knows of growing the economy is by increasing the population. And by the way, uh, that that's increasing total GDP. It's not, this doesn't, uh, people shouldn't get excited that this is an increase in living standards. Living standards are GDP per capita. It's the amount of income per person. Um, the, the increase in population will increase the total GDP, but if you're looking at the living standards of individual Kiwis, they almost certainly will fall. So that makes no difference to people. It's wind, It's a window dressing exercise, is it? Yeah, yeah he, he just wants that headline that he doesn't want a recession in the next few months. Yeah. Right. What about some of the uh, other aspects of, of what he's thrown out or thrown out yesterday? Anything catch your eye specifically apart from that? Um, the, the other aspects of, I think they fooled the media um, into the mainstream media into uh, thinking that it was a budget that reduced the cost of living and made things cheaper. And that's the headlines across, splashed across many of our leading, um, you know, outlets like stuff. Uh, let, let's be clear, the budget did not change the cost of anything by one single dollar. The cost of your going to the grocery, of your food bill, the cost of supplying daycare services, the cost of uh, getting uh, pharmaceuticals, getting drugs from the chemist, all of those costs are exactly what they were the day before the budget. All the government's done is saying a lot of people can't afford to pay those costs and we're going to give them more money to, to pay those bills. But the actual cost to the country of all of those services, goods and services, is exactly the same. The only way to reduce those costs is to increase competition amongst the supermarkets, to increase competition in, in the building sector, to increase competition within the healthcare sector. They haven't done any reform which has lowered the cost of supplying these goods and services. All they've done is said to people, you can't afford the bill. Well, here's some cash. And how are we going to find the cash? We're going to borrow it. 
And what, one day we're going to have to pay that back, back that debt anyhow. So not a single cost has been lowered by this budget, even though they sort of got that headline that this is a, a cost of living budget. People will figure that out pretty quick, though, won't they? Yeah, they should. Yeah. Um, yeah. The third I comment. Sorry, oh, sorry, carry on. The third comment I've got with the budget is, which I think is quite cunning, is it seems to me uh, it's the targeting of children is more about politics than anything. I think they want they're trying to get uh, women to vote for them and to keep the to keep the women women vote who the women who supported Adern because um, in most countries women um, do more uh, in terms of uh, spending time with children and that's just the way it falls. Women tend to, even though now there's meant to be equality of the sexes in terms of their jobs and spending time with children, uh, women tend to do more of that on average than, than guys. And so I think women are particularly receptive to these sorts of payments for more childcare, uh, even free transport uh, for children. And I think they're targeting that to try to uh, sway uh, the, the women's vote because they know uh, women are not going for Luxon as they went to John Key. So uh, they're trying hard, I think, in the budget to do something that they feel would be attractive, perhaps more to women than anyone. Well, I personally don't want to see two-year-olds in daycare. Mm. It's too young. It's way too young. That's just me personally. Um, and the transport um, subsidising, well, let's even get the bus out of the the bus park mm. on time, or you've got a driver, mm. because that seems to me to be an issue as well. Well, it means a lot, Paul, to a lot of women. I think that's who they're targeting. They're not targeting you. No. No, I, I can clearly see that. Okay, so a bit of reaction here. <laughs> Christopher Luxon is saying it's a blowout budget, more wasteful spending. Is he right? Well, the Nats um, uh, have always been uh, on thin ice with this stuff. Uh, it probably doesn't matter. Um, they're trying to build this idea that they they have to that they're fiscally responsible. Responsible. That's uh, their main card that they're trying to play. Um, it's slightly awkward for them. Um, they, they they'll they'll probably win the battle of public opinion with that. But remember, uh, when it came to the wage subsidy, uh, who was it that wanted the wage subsidy paid not to just small businesses, but to every company in the whole country, including our largest corporations? Uh, Simon Bridges lobbied for that. Uh, he criticised the government that they weren't paying every business. And then uh, Robertson changed policy. And that change, uh, extending the wage subsidy to our biggest corporations, most of which didn't need it, uh, that increase the cost of the wage subsidy from what would have been, say, a $10 billion bill to more like a $20, $30 billion bill. So, you know, the National were actually pushing, if anything, for more spending than Labor during the pandemic. So it's a bit awkward for them, but, uh, hey, they, they're a party that wants to brand themselves on fiscal conservatism. So um, that's that's the, the marketing game which uh, Chris Luxon is playing. Okay, so do you think this will work? This sleight of hand, whatever you want to call it, you call it dishonest. This um, attempt or effort to gin up or, or shore up a GDP figure in this way. Do you think it'll work for him? Um, well, it worked for John Key uh, quite successfully. Um, 
you know, the the former governor of the Reserve Bank at the time, uh, the former governor, one of the former governors who was governor at the time came to my, my class at the university and was uh, pre- presented on how the Nats grew the Kiwi economy. And chiefly, it was three three factors, uh, immigration, tourism, and construction. Um, amazingly, Chris Luxon is virtually copying John Key's playbook. Uh, he's trying to run a country on immigration and uh, desperate for more tourists to uh, come in. Come in. Uh, he's not running a country uh, based on productivity growth, more competition, uh, actually lowering the, the cost of goods and services to all Kiwis. I don't think, uh, by the way, I don't think Chris Luxon or Hipkins has a plan. Yeah, I was talking about Hipkins, make... but interesting yeah. you say that about Luxon. But, I mean, this is like a, a kind of a gamble, right? It's a roll of the dice mm-hmm. almost. If it's a tactic to gin up support to keep it elevated for a period of time, will it work? Can he make it? Can he produce that figure that he can wave around and say, see, we've done this? That's his gamble. That's what he's trying to do. Yeah. Um, had immigration, net immigration stayed at zero, uh, there would have been, uh, remember, Hipkins was uh, Minister of Education. And you probably, there's probably never been a Prime Minister ever who's failed education more than Chris Hipkins. Oh, Christ. I mean, uh, I mean, well, you think of uh, schools uh, in terms of lowering cost, increasing quality, you want more competition. Charter schools were exactly that. In fact, in the US, the main beneficiaries of charter schools have been African-American children uh, from very low-income families. Uh, don't listen to me. That's what Barack Obama said. Um, and Hipkins uh, personally had a distaste for charter schools. And so he's removed competition from schooling. Uh, he doesn't want any uh, uh, privatization sort of competition in healthcare, where people can choose between public and private suppliers and that with the government paying the bill. Uh, the supermarkets is barely any competition. He's got an airline in New Zealand which has virtually monopoly powers, which he owns, uh, on domestic uh, air routes. And they look uh, after the, the politicians. <laughs> exactly, yeah. So across a swathe of industries, um, you've, you've got uh, a, a fundamental lack of competition uh, in the country, and, and he, he doesn't know and he doesn't have the will to fix those problems. So all he can do is shuffle money around, um, but he can't fundamentally uh, improve productivity or efficiency in the country. So I think he's playing a very dangerous game, by the way. He's not increasing the efficiency of anything in this country. He's not increasing competition of anything. He's not lowering cost structures. All he's trying to do is we've been in crisis now that a group of people can't afford to live, and he's shuffling money around to try to prop them up. And opening up the borders without any reference to New Zealanders, because that starts to dilute things as well as putting pressure on everything. Back of the envelope here, that's about 3% addition to the population. Yeah, over the next, uh, up to 2027. That's Yeah, right. well, that's not very far that's away. That's, yeah. that's not going to take long. But but it, but had he not uh, done that, see, he doesn't know how to grow the economy, so he's back to immigration. He should have, uh, during the three years starting from the virus in 2020, it was up to Hipkins as Minister of Education to improve the quality of schools, polytechnics, and universities. He's failed on all three. So he never increased the skill base of the country. 
So now in 2023, business can't find Kiwi workers who are trained here to fill all these jobs. So Hipkins went and collapsed our education system and businesses now can't find anyone to work for them without importing them from abroad. So Hipkins essentially it's, has given up on the country and has decided the only way to satisfy business and commerce and to keep the country ticking over is to expand the population by 3 4% over the next few years. And uh, just to finish up, people are still going to notice that everything costs more and it's harder to pay for anything mm-hmm. and it's harder to live, despite someone talking head reading on mm-hmm. an auto cue telling us that GDP mm-hmm. is up or we're not technically in a recession. They're still going to know. Well, that's true. That's true. And um, probably people will see through him. Yeah. I, I think he uh, has no plan on the economy. You can tell Grant Robertson's lost interest in the job. He should just resign. You can tell he's just, um, you know, has no interest in being finance minister anymore. He's out of steam. He's out of ideas. Um, it's just whether Hipkins can, uh, you know, cook the books and increase the, the numbers in the country and buy a bit of time for five months to get back as prime minister. So I think he's interested in personal power. I don't think he's in, he's doing policies for the good of the country. Professor Rob McCulloch, thank you for coming on and giving us your thoughts on the budget. We appreciate it. Thank you. RCR with Paul Brennan, Reality Check Radio.